the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion at the Music Center in Los Angeles, the 41st Academy Award. Los Angeles, in the first half of the 20th century, saw the golden age of Hollywood. But something strange was going on after the lights went down and the curtains fell. Big studios were taking the original copies of classic films and dumping them in landfills or out to sea. Off the coast of California, there are a lot of cans of moldering film. You're listening to One Bold Idea, a celebration of the 150-year history of the University of California. And today, we're taking you to UCLA to learn about the unexpected role the university played in saving a treasure trove of American film. For decades, the American film industry was extremely careless about looking after its own films. David Thompson is a venerated film critic and historian who lives in California. And when a film had played, there was no prospect of it really playing again. And to store it took up space. If a film flopped, it was junked. In the early decades of movies and TV, that was the status quo. And then, in the 60s, something shifted. When film began to be taught in universities, which it really hadn't been, and when a younger generation said, I want to see the old movies, uh, it discovered that some of the old movies you couldn't see and some were very difficult to see. One of those universities was UCLA. People in the film department were horrified by the idea of the classics of the future ending up on the seafloor. They started rescuing old reels from studio lots in nearby Hollywood. When the archives started out, it was basically students and a few professors and no funding. Jan Christopher Horak is the director of the UCLA Film and Television Archive, founded in 1968 to house all those rescued movies and TV shows. Word got out to the studios and media companies in those early days, and the archive started getting bigger and bigger donations. Today, the UCLA Film and Television Archive is the second largest moving picture archive in the U.S. Only the Library of Congress is bigger. Well over half a million films and television shows. Suffice it to say, it is a mind-boggling amount of material. The archive has films dating back to the birth of cinema in 1895, there are silent films, features, short films, film noir. Van Heflin is a man of passion who takes what he wants, even if he has to use a gun. And the archive houses just about any TV show you can think of from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, like previously lost episodes of Jackie Gleason's The Honeymooners. You can't push a square clock into a round hole. <laughs> no? Then how did you get your head in your hat? And some you may not have heard of, like The Goldbergs, a groundbreaking TV show from the 1950s that depicted the everyday life of a Jewish family living in the Bronx. So The Goldbergs was really important because, first of all, it was written, produced, and directed by a woman, and this is in the late 40s and early 50s when this was almost absolutely unique. And it's also one of the few characterizations of an ethnic minority on American television at that time. Aside from TV shows and movies, the archive also houses a huge collection of newsreels and news broadcasts, 
preserving lesser-known moments of prominent Americans, like this one. I haven't decided, really. I just haven't decided what I'm going to do in the future. Of a young Robert Kennedy pondering a career apart from politics. Oh, well, I might like to uh, be associated with a university, a teaching, maybe, newspaper business. <laughs> and the archive holds all kinds of materials, travel logs, TV commercials, amateur footage. There's really nothing that we don't have at least some of. The mission of the UCLA Film Archive goes beyond simply warehousing films. Each year, they ship over 500 films to cinematechs, museums, and film festivals all over the world. Horak says the archive couldn't really exist anywhere but here, at UCLA, at this nexus of Hollywood and academia, a place where industry and scholarship meet. And thanks to those combined forces, the archive is able to preserve and elevate work by minorities and other groups that have historically been underrepresented or even shunned by the industry. For example, it holds the largest collection of LGBTQ film and television in the world. And there's one collection that may exemplify the spirit more than any other, a group of films from a movement that arose on UCLA's own campus. We have to go back to the late 60s and early 70s when the first African-American students came to UCLA. They were literally the first generation of African-Americans on this campus. The young filmmakers came from diverse backgrounds with different points of view, but they all had something in common. They made work that explored subjects and themes that Hollywood ignored. Looking at the life of ordinary African-Americans, some living uh, at the poverty line, some living more middle-class lives, but dealing with everyday problems. The films of this era became known as the L.A. Rebellion. The L.A. Rebellion filmmakers, when they started making their films, they were reacting against what was at the time called black exploitation, which were all these films made in Hollywood about pimps and hoes and drugs and this and that. And the filmmakers of the L.A. Rebellion said, that's not us. That's the reason I'm making these films and will be making films. This is from a 1979 interview with L.A. Rebellion filmmaker Julie Dash, whose movie Daughters of the Dust was the first film directed by a black woman to get a wide theatrical release. What we have to say is so personal and so very different that there's no way that anyone else can say it, and they can't say it for us. And when they do, it's more of an, an external statement made about us or about our condition. Though the L.A. Rebellion films were often poorly received in the States, they were celebrated abroad and even featured at international festivals in Cannes, Paris, Belgium, and Amsterdam. Despite the extraordinary quality and cultural significance of these films, over time, they kind of dropped out of sight. So the archive started taking an interest in, in recapturing this legacy. But getting a hold of all the decades-old films wasn't easy. Oftentimes their original materials had either been lost or were under their beds or in their closets. Ultimately, the archive was able to preserve the work of over 50 L.A. Rebellion filmmakers and create a film program that traveled around the U.S. and Europe. And it was distributed free of charge to schools. And I think that's really important. Our mission is not just to preserve the material and have it disappear into a vault. 
As a project of one of the premier public universities in the world, and located near the global epicenter of moving pictures, the UCLA Film and Television Archive brings together artists, film geeks, and scholars who can explore the vaults and help us better understand what these films say about who we were, who we are, and where we're going. Thompson, the film lover and film critic, says we all owe a debt to archives like this one. I believe in history. I believe that we need to preserve our history. We need to have access to it. We need to make it available. If you honor your history, you learn so much from it. Thanks for listening to One Bold Idea. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. I'm Shuka Kalantari. The music you heard in this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. The show is produced and edited at the UC Berkeley Advanced Media Institute in collaboration with the University of California.